Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Well, wasn't that wonderful? Amen. If you are any what so confused about what just happened, that's called God doing what God wants to do. <laughs> and we're all, we're all right with that around here. Amen. Amen. You are in an apostolic Pentecostal church today. That means we believe in the apostles' doctrine as given to us in the Bible, and we believe in the Pentecostal experience as given to the church that God established in the New Testament in the book of Acts, which means that we believe in the free flow of the Spirit of the Almighty God, that we do not have God still hanging on a cross somewhere. How many know he's alive and well today? Amen. He is not some distant deity. He is not just just sitting on a throne in heaven waiting just to see what happens down here. But he is an active God. He is a very present help in time of trouble. How many have found that to be true in your lives? Maybe even this morning already. He is a God that heals and delivers and provides. And ultimately a God, amen, who can and the only one who can save our soul. Amen. We've been talking about heaven around here the last few weeks. We've been enjoying this series about heaven. And if you've missed any of it, you can go back, watch it on social media, listen to it on our podcast. But we believe that it is important that people become more heavenly minded. Amen. I said we need to be more heavenly minded. We need to be thinking about heaven more, talking about heaven more. We need to be realizing that the Bible is not silent on heaven, that it is not quiet on heaven, that it is not completely and totally just some sort of imaginative foretold or future experience, but the Bible does speak to that. And if you'll give me a little bit of time today, I think I want to look at that, that heaven is a very real and a very biblical place. And especially what the Bible refers to as the holy city of God or what is referred to as New Jerusalem sometimes in Scripture. And I want us to look at what the Bible has to say about that to get a good, good handle on the fact that heaven is for real. I believe, I've said this I think every Sunday so far in this series, I believe that if we can get more people a revelation that heaven and eternity is for real, there'll be a whole lot more people wanting to serve the Lord Jesus Christ uh, for the right reasons. Amen. Amen. The largest city in uh, order of land space is Juneau, Alaska. Juneau, Alaska is a city of 3,801 square miles. By population, there's a different story. By population, we know of New York City, but we also know that there are 10 cities throughout the world that are larger than New York City. Places like Seoul, South Korea, places like San Pella, Brazil. Both of these cities top 10 million people within the city limits, and that's probably a low number. 
Mexico City has 18 million people in just the metro area alone of Mexico City. In 100 AD, the largest city that existed that we know of on the face of the earth was Rome. It only had 400,000 people, and it was the largest city on the earth. Today, there are over 100 cities in China that have over 1 million people in them each. And by the year 2030, it is said that some 60% of the world population will live in a city. The Bible speaks of a holy city. It's a holy city that when we begin to look at its descriptions, we find it makes all of those cities I just talked about look small in comparison. Oh, hallelujah. The city that God has prepared for those who will go after heaven, who will prepare themselves for this prepared place is absolutely amazing. In Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, we find the world city, the word city mentioned 11 times. It's, un- it's important that we understand this is not just some uh, figure of speech. This is not just some figment of some writer's imagination. It's not to be symbolized. I dare say it's not even to be spiritualized. Oh, I caught you off guard with that one, didn't I? I said heaven is not supposed to just be spiritualized. It doesn't just exist in some sort of spiritual cosmos. It's for real. Turn to your neighbor and tell him heaven's for real. Heaven's for real. Amen. And those who make heaven will have a very real place to live once they get there. A longing existing in humanity's heart to live in this heavenly abode is not a new longing. If you've ever felt something within you pulling you to some higher place, some better place, if you've ever asked yourself that there's got to be more to life than this, if you've ever wondered uh, what comes next and thought there had to be something else, uh, that longing is not new to you. It's not new to us or our generation. The Bible tells us uh, in Hebrews 11.10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations. Everyone say foundations. Has that foundations whose builder and maker is God. Oh, hallelujah. I find it very interesting that we've entered into an era where humanity is now talking about building their own perfect cities. We've got people now that are endeavoring to purchase land and through their money and their power and their influence, trying to create their own perfect city environment and they will beyond a shadow of a doubt give it their very best try the problem is going to be that humans are going to have to live there oh hallelujah Amen. They may have the best programs, the best buildings, the best ideas. They may even require people to live by a certain type of principles. But sinful humanity is going to live there. And so it's not ever going to be what they want it to be. But I'm looking for a city, hallelujah, whose builder and maker is God. I'm looking for a city that God can make the city and he can also make and remake the people that live in the city. Oh, hallelujah. Abraham was always projecting his faith far down the road. 
He was a great man of faith. And the Hebrew people were told in Hebrews 12 and 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Paul speaks of it and he says, he calls it the Jerusalem which is above in Galatians. Also in Revelations, we read chapter three, it says it's called the city of my God or it's called the new Jerusalem. It's the place where I want to go. I want to see it. I want to abide there for my eternity. It will be the crowning jewel, if you will, of the creation of God. If you think of everything that mankind has been able to do, and then you look at God's creation. If you've ever gone to some of the great cities of the world, uh, uh, I, I've had the privilege of multiple occasions to go to New York City, and, and there's a lot of things to like and not like about New York City. But when you do go up uh, to the top of what is now One World Tower, which replaced the Twin Towers, uh, and you stand up there at that highest place, and you walk around and look out uh, over what man has been able to build with their hands and their sweat and their toil. It is absolutely amazing uh, about what man is able to do. It is uh, uh, blow your mind what man uh, is able to do. But then, uh, hey man, uh, this past year, my family took a trip out west, uh, and we went to Yellowstone, uh, and we drove through that, and I was reminded of what God was able to do uh, simply by speaking a word uh, and it was done. Let there be uh, and it was, the Bible tells us, uh, and we look at the creation of God and we wonder in amazement as we step out in the night uh, and we look up into the heavenlies and we see as it were uh, the moon and the stars and the solar systems uh, and things our minds can yet to even comprehend. But God said let there be uh, and there was. It's amazing what God can do. And yet heaven is going to be his crowning achievement. Oh, hallelujah. That gets me excited just saying it. I said, I get excited just thinking about it, uh, thinking about what I've seen with these eyes on earth and thinking it's going to be nothing compared uh, to what I'm going to be able to see on the other. Does anybody want to go to heaven? Is anybody saying, preacher, I think I want to go to heaven someday? Oh, hallelujah. All of his creation. New Jerusalem, his highest crowning creation. Revelation 21 and 2, and, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So we understand, amen, that the city is not heaven, but the city is in heaven. The city is going to come down, as it says, out of heaven and rest upon the earth. Now we won't get into that today except I'll just quickly mention there is a time period where the holy city seemingly hovers above the earth. But then the Bible tells us uh, that God is going to destroy the earth with a fire and the earth will be made new again. I personally believe uh, that the earth will basically be how he created it in the beginning. And I want to see that. I said I want to see that. Amen. I, I, I know what we've done to it, but I want to see what it looked like when he made it the first time. 
I want to see how it started out. But the Bible tells us that, amen, in some form or fashion, the heavens and the earth shall pass away. We know that's with a, a, a fire, an all-consuming fire. And when he talks about the heavens in that part, he's not talking about, amen, as Paul mentioned, the third heaven. But he's talking about, as we've talked about, amen, the stellar heaven and the atmospheric heaven. Uh, and we know, we understand that. But the heaven and earth uh, will be remade and the holy city uh, will come and rest upon the new earth. He said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Scripture says that we will walk in the light of that city, that there will be no need of sun or moon, but that the glory of God will be the light. (laughs) There's so many things I want to see. The glory of God will be the light of that city, a breathtaking place. We need to be thinking about it. John saw this city complete coming down from heaven in John 14, 2 through 3. Remember what Jesus said. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So he wants us to be clear. He's not making this holy city just for him and the angels. He's not making this holy city just for him to walk around on it and admire it. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. You say, well, why would he want to prepare a place for me? He tells us, uh, so that where I am, that you can be there too. This whole thing is about relationship. It's always been about relationship. When God walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it was about relationship. When God established covenant with Abraham, it was about relationship. When God established the law, it was about relationship. When he came down, hallelujah, amen, in the form of a child. And then when that manger with that virgin mama, it was about relationship. When he walked on the streets of Jerusalem, and he healed the blinded eye and he opened the deaf ear and he brought the dead out of the grave it was about relationship when he hung on the cross and he said father forgive them for they know not what they do it was about relationship and when he rose up on the third day and he walked with them on the street and then he ascended up into heaven it's always been about relationship he wants a relationship with you and me He wants a relationship with us. This is why we come to church. This is why we pray at home and we sing our songs and and, and we have this communication. This is why we read his word and we talk to God because he wants relationship. He's not just our emergency button. Everybody hear me today? He's not just my 911 call. He can do that. He can be there. He is as close as the mention of his name. He is a miracle-working God, a problem-solving God, a delivering God, a healing God. He can help you in your darkest moments of life, but that is not all that he is. He wants relationship with us. Oh, hallelujah. Where I am, that ye may be also. What a wonderful hope for the believer. Jesus tells us that in this city that that already exists with mansions in it, prepared, it's ready. It's ready. It's prepared. 
somebody dies today in the faith, they're not going to step into a construction zone. I said, if somebody dies in the faith today, they're not going to step through those pearly gates, as it were, and be like, oh, man, what am I supposed to do now? It's not ready for me. He's ready. The question has never been, is God ready? The question is, are we ready? The question is, am I ready to go to this prepared place for a prepared people? Because there's absolutely nothing in the Bible that tells us that everybody just automatically gets to go to heaven. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that no matter how we live or what we do or how we treat others or how we think, that we just automatically get to go to heaven. It's not in the Bible. It's never been in the Bible. It's a prepared place for prepared people. And what are we doing today to prepare ourselves for this this awesome eternity? It's the hope of the believer. Look at just with me for a second at the size of this city. Revelation 21. John the Revelator gets caught up into the heavens. And he has and he gets to see and witness and hear what is happening. And the Lord tells him to write some of the things. There were some things he was not able to write. But the Lord says, I want you to write some of these things. Because God does not want us ignorant concerning all of eternity. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. See, the phenomenal size, as I'll get to in a second, of this city is why some people spiritualize it. Because it's hard to get our minds around such a description. We're told here that John says, I I saw a city that had walls that measured 12,000 furlongs, a cube that is close to, now listen, that means this is a cube that is close to 1,500 miles on every side. The length is as long as the breadth, and the height is the same, it says. It's a cube with equal sides. So that means just the first floor, we'll get to that in a second. Just the first floor of this holy city would be 2,250,000 square miles. That's just the first level. But the Bible says that it had 12 foundations. 12 foundations. That means that just the first floor is 40 times bigger than all of England. It's... Ten times bigger than all of France. If you use the number of people in a square mile in in London, the city then could be inhabited. This city of heaven could be inhabited by 100,000 million people. Yes, 100,000 million people. That is 70 times more than the present population of earth. That is just the first floor. But you got to remember... The redeemed of the Lord all the way back to the beginning are already there. Oh, hallelujah. The redeemed of the Lord are all going to be there. It's 12 floors divided into 1,500 miles. Now, I'm just going to pause for a second in here. There, There are theories about heaven having 12 floors because, you know, if you weren't that great... You have to live on the bottom floor and 
if you were a little bit better, you second. You know, if you were real good, you get the penthouse. I think that's pretty dumb, but whatever. <laughs> the point he's trying to make is the, the vastness of it. Twelve floors divided into 1,500 miles. Each floor from, from floor to ceiling is 125 miles. Each foundation is made of some precious stones, and we are told that in Scripture. It lists them as jasper and sapphire and emerald, and it goes on. Each floor's foundation is made of a different precious stone. And there's 12 gates, it says, to this city. 12 entry points is a, a better way of looking at it. It's not necessarily gates. Nobody's going to have to be, like, kept out. You either make it or you don't. There's not going to be anybody bombarding heaven trying to get in. You're not going to climb over the gate at night. Amen. So 12 gates, it's interesting to me, always been interesting how Revelation 21 states it. It says in verses 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, and it was as it were transparent glass. I've I've looked at that several different ways, and, and there's probably a way to look at it. Maybe that I'm not looking at it, but it it makes it sound like that each one of these gates is not made out of a lot of pearls, but made out of one pearl. That's a really big pearl. And if that came out of an oyster, that's a really big oyster. But why not? God's making it. I said, God's making it. Oh, hallelujah. I want us to know about it. I want us to learn about it. I want us to realize that the Bible talks about it, but I don't want us to treat it like we completely understand it. I want us to recognize that God is the creator of this thing. God is the one making it. Amen. And he's the one that can do whatever he wants to do. Revelation 21, 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, he says, from God out of heaven. It was adorned. As a bride prepared, adorned for her husband. It's greater than just being a beautiful city. I need you to hear this preacher today. It's more than just being a beautiful city. It's a holy city. It's important that we grasp this. It's not just a beautiful city. It's a holy city. Holiness is beautiful. This city would not be a pleasant place if it were just beautiful only then it would only be a matter of time and then it would become ugly. Everything that sin touches becomes ugly. Can I get an amen? Everything that sin touches becomes ugly. And the thing that takes on that sinful nature brings on a repulsive nature. But this city will be holy and beautiful. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21, 11 and 21 and 23, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. 23, and the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the lamb is the light thereof. 
There is no natural light or artificial light in this city. There is no need for electricity or for sun because the Bible tells us that the light comes from the glory of God. The glory of God is the light and the glory of God is the light. There will be no place for sin to hide. There will be no place for sin to bury itself and dig itself and connect itself in. There will be no room for that in heaven. Try and imagine this with me, if you would. Streets of gold, gates of pearl, precious stones as the foundations. Gold like transparent glass. These are descriptive terms. John the Revelator, this is what, this is what he saw and God told him to write. And then you have the light of God emanating through all these precious stones. You have the glory of God emanating through these precious stones, foundations. All of this. Can you imagine what, what that looks like? I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that. There, there are three things that we do now on this earth in this time in our humanity to interact with God. There are things that are involved. The Bible teaches us about how we come to God. The Bible says, how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless there be a preacher preaching Preaching is one of the things that calls us to an interaction with God. Preaching is designed by God. He calls it the foolishest of preaching, to save them that which would believe. It's designed by God. What I'm doing here today is designed by God because it's a pull to interact with God. It's a pull to connect with God, to get us to relationship with God. That's, that's one thing. But then there's praying. Praying is our, our connection. Praying is where we bring our needs. Praying is where we make our petitions known unto him. He said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. He said, if you pray and you ask, believing it shall be done unto you. Two or three would gather together and believe and make agreement with one. It shall be done. He tells us to pray, pray, pray. He tells us how to pray. He teaches us how to pray. He shows us how to pray because he wants relationship and he wants connection. But then there's also worship, worship, hallelujah, worshiping him in song, worshiping him, amen, with our words, worshiping him because of who he is and worshiping him because there is no one like him, none beside him, none even close to him. He reigns, hallelujah, above all the heavens and the earth, King of kings and Lord of lords. We worship him. So there's preaching and there's praying and there's worship. But I want you to understand something. There's in a day when we're no longer going to be in this place uh, and some people who have prepared themselves uh, to go into heaven uh, amen there will be no more preaching uh, and there will be no more praying uh, but there will still be worship hallelujah we will still gather around the throne uh, and cry holy is the Lord God almighty Hallelujah. Preaching and praying is for now only. And I, I, I pull at you today. I, I beg of you today to take advantage of another opportunity of life. Take advantage that you still got air flowing through your lungs and a heart that's still beating in your chest. And no matter how good or bad you feel about what you did yesterday or 10 years ago, would you please take advantage of an opportunity in the house of God to pray and talk to God. Repent of your sins. Tell them you're sorry. Do something about your salvation today. Do something about your eternity today. Why in the world would anybody come to church if they weren't going to do something about their lives and the direction of their lives? 
We don't come here, hey man, just to pat each other on the back. This isn't some sort of social club that you stumbled your way in today. This is the house of the Almighty God. We've come to lift up the name of Jesus. We've come to be washed in the blood of Calvary because we're sinners in need of forgiveness. We're broken in need of healing. We're down and out and downtrodden. And we need somebody to pick us up and help us on our way. Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands and shout unto God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Preaching and praying is for now only. We should take advantage of it while we still can. But worship will be paramount in heaven. Worship, Revelation 5, 9 through 12. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousand of thousands you know why he said it like that because he doesn't want people to try to calculate and figure out how many people are going to make it to heaven? Any religion that's trying to tell you how many people, what number you have. Step up and take your number. Man, I hope I'm going to make it. I hope I make it. That's not how you're supposed to live your life. What he's saying is there's room for you. If you want to be there, there's room for you. There's not going to be some cutoff that you're just going to miss. Uh, there's not going to be some cutoff that your family is just so sorry uh, you didn't come in time. There will come a day uh, when there will be a time it is over and we will step into eternity. Uh, but until that day comes, uh, you and I still have an opportunity uh, to get our name written down in glory. We still got an opportunity to get our name in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, we still have an opportunity. Oh, hallelujah. Thousands, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying, what are they all doing? Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Can I just point out to you right there? That's talking about worshiping around the throne of God. And when they look at the throne of God, they're going to say worthy is the lamb that was slain. Who's that then? Jesus. Who's the lamb that was slain? Jesus. So who's going to be sitting on the throne? Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And we're going to shout what they're already shouting. We're going to worship how they're already worshiping. It's happening right now to every redeemed, every person that died prepared for heaven, every person that died with the gospel message applied under their life, every person that died living for the Lord Jesus Christ right now on this Sunday morning. I doubt they know it's Sunday morning, but right now on our Sunday morning, they're standing around the throne of the Almighty God looking at their Savior face to face, and they're saying, worthy and honor and glory and blessing be unto the Lord God Almighty. Oh, hallelujah. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. I'm going to look forward to that. I look forward to a good worship service around here. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. 
I had fun a minute ago when we were at the beginning of the service when we just broke out into worship and prayer a little bit. I was enjoying that. I can't imagine what it's going to be to do that in glory. Song that became popular many years ago now. I can only imagine. Man, around this time of year, we people start playing it and thinking about singing it, whatever it is. I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees? Will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? (laughs) I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever worship you. I can only imagine. Oh, and I love, I love imagining heaven. I love thinking about heaven. I love talking with people who like to talk about what heaven might be like. I love a good heaven conversation. Amen. I love a good heaven conversation. But listen to me. Listen to this preacher today. At some point in our lives, we have to stop treating heaven like a figment of our imagination. At some point, we have to start living to one day abide in that prepared place. Second Peter 3 says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, hear me now, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep or since the fathers died, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. He says in the last days, there's going to be people that say, I don't know, all you Christians, you're always talking about how God's going to come back and how the end of the world is going to come and living in the last days. And you're talking about heaven and you're talking about hell. And it's just a bunch of nonsense scoffers, the Bible says. I'll point out to you that he says that they are scoffers. Because they are walking after their own lusts. Because it is the cry of the flesh. It is base humanity, the lowest level of our existence, that wants to just take pleasure in the things of earth. That's all it is. That's all we live for. Paul said, if the only hope I have is this world, I am of all men most miserable. If this is all there is, then what's the point? He said there will be scoffers who say, yeah, our fathers used to say that, and our forefathers used to say that, but we're still here. Well, that's not really true. Everybody's not still here. Some have gone into eternity. I said everybody's not still here. Some of those forefathers have entered into their eternity. Some of them are either in heaven or hell today. Some of them are living that existence right now. God does not count time as we do. We don't understand time from God's point of view. The Bible says he knows the ending from the beginning. That he is the ending and the beginning. We understand time. It's very finite. It's very human. It's broken down into increments, which is our lowly brains. Are comp- we can understand it. We took something as vast and unexplainable as time, and we put 12 numbers on a clock, and we divided it up. 
And we said we need to understand it. Because if we don't understand it, we can't control it. And we need to be able to control it. And we think today, falsely, that we have some sort of control over time. And we think falsely that somehow we have something to do with time. Yeah, you can set the timer on the microwave so you don't burn the popcorn. I understand that. You can get real good at it. Some of you don't even trust that popcorn setting, do you? No, 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 no. I ain't trusting no popcorn setting. You're standing there with your hand over the button. You know, you're waiting for that last pop. Think about how much things we do that we try to control time, that we try to figure out time, we try to use time. We're not thinking that time as we know it ends at some point. I said time as we know it ends at some point. The Bible speaks of a thousand years as as a day and a day is as of a thousand years. And if I told you today I completely understood that, I would be lying. I don't completely understand that. And maybe that's the point. Maybe the point of it is that we don't try to completely understand it so that I don't go call television and tell them to come out here with their cameras because I'm going to predict the day that God's coming back because that hasn't worked out well so far for people who have tried it. I don't want to become a liar and have to keep changing my mind about, well, I thought it was going to be 2020, but it wasn't 2020. It seems like it should have been 2020, but it wasn't 2020. The schedule is not our schedule. It's his schedule. It's his time. One day, he's going to look over at the archangel, and he's going to say, put the trumpet to your lips and blow the sound. And I don't know when that day is, but it hasn't happened yet, which means I should take advantage of today. The Bible says that you have to work while it is yet day because the night cometh when what? No man can work. There's a coming come time when you won't be able to do anything more about it. Oh, hallelujah. C.S. Lewis says, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in also. Aim at earth and that's all you get. We get very excited about the simple temporary things. And I know I've slowed down a little bit today, but are you everybody with me? We get excited about the temporary, simple things of life. Call everyone about some great Black Friday sale. You're not going to believe what I got for a dollar. Oh, man, it's awesome. It's a washcloth that's three inches big. For a dollar. (laughs) My wife's shaking her head at me right now. I'm trying not to look at her. I don't want to make eye contact. <laughs> we get excited about things, jump up and down and scream and celebrate because our favorite team won. We need to be excited about the coming of the Lord. We need to tell somebody about that. Let's have that conversation. Let's go to lunch with someone and just talk about heaven the whole time. Oh, hallelujah. Let's go to lunch and talk about what I'm doing to make sure I get to go to heaven someday. 
Let's ask some questions and get into the Bible and pray some prayers and come to an altar and cry out before God to make sure I know when I lay my head down tonight to go to sleep that if I die in the night or the trumpet sounds, I'm going over into glory. I want to be sure and confident about where my future lies. I don't want to just talk about it like something that may happen someday and I hope Grandmama is there. No, I want to make sure I'm ready to go. Oh, hallelujah. It feels like it gets closer every day. The heartbeat of the church is coming into rhythm with the heartbeat of heaven. The cry of the church is becoming more and more frequently. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Many are feeling like pilgrims in a strange land. People who completely understood the world 10 years ago now don't even really seem to comprehend the world that they live in. They look around and they look on their televisions and on their social media and on their websites and they see and hear things that they cannot with their mind comprehend. Why in the world would anybody want to do something like that or live in that type of world and something begins to change inside of your heart when you realize this world is not my home? I'm a pilgrim in a strange land. It's coming. So we got to ask yourself, how often do I think about heaven? How often do you find joy in the thoughts of heaven? Are you being heavenly minded? There was a pastor who was teaching his people about the coming of the Lord. and He was trying to teach them new words concerning the coming of the Lord and the rapture in heaven. And so he taught them the word Maranatha. Maranatha means the Lord cometh. It's some sort of a greeting in some circles. And Maranatha, Maranatha, brother, Maranatha, sister, the Lord cometh, the Lord cometh. It's a way to kind of keep it on the forefront of your mind. It's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. And so he taught them that word, and he, he told them, I want, you to, I want you to go out this week, and I want you to use that. I want you to greet people. And, you know, if you see someone you know or whatever, hey, Maranatha, my friend, and I want you to do that for the next few weeks. And there was a, a brand-new convert that was in church that Sunday, and he, he hadn't been around for very long and was learning a lot of new things. And he, he, he thought, okay, all right. And so later on in the week, he happened to run into another member of the church in the store, and as he was walking to him, hey man, he remembered what pastor said, and he thought, what was that, what was that word? And so he was really wanting to do it, really wanting to be obedient, and he didn't know what to do. He was getting closer, and he finally just shouted out, marijuana, brother! I don't know, you, you get an A for effort, I guess. <laughs> Mar marijuana, brother. Maranatha, the Lord cometh. We need to be talking different. I said we need to, we need to talk different. I'm tired of the way the world talks. I can't handle it. It's just the negativity and the nonsense, the darkness and the destruction. Everything's pitiful and bleak. I want to lift my eyes into the hills. I want to lift my eyes into the heavens. I want to talk different. I want to be heavenly minded. 1 Corinthians 15. I'll go quickly now to a close. Behold, I show, show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 
In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Oh, how exciting. The last trump, it's going to sound and there's going to be an activity. You notice the ones who do not sleep, he says, well, hear the last trump. And that's meaningless until you look at Numbers chapter 10, where it tells us, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shalt thou make them, and thou shalt mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. Two trumpets. The Bible speaks of two trumpets. He speaks of two trumpets with Moses, and the Bible speaks of two trumpets at the end of the age, one to call them together and one to signal it's time to go. Ha <laughs> One, to call those that are already dead. Oh, hallelujah. And one, to call those that are alive and remain. And he says, call them together and then blow the sound of the second trumpet. And when you blow the sound of the second trumpet, amen, that means the catching away of the bride, the rapture, if it were, of the church is going to take place. Uh, that I'm no longer going to be on this earth anymore, but I'm on my way. In the moment of the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be caught up forever. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. After this, I looked, and behold, the door, Revelation 4. And behold, the door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, the throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. We've already talked about you're going to see Jesus. You're never going to see more than one throne in heaven. You're never going to see one, more than one sitting on the throne. I understand that we live in a age where a Trinitarian point of view of God has become very strong and very paramount, but there is not a Trinitarian point of view in the Bible. From the Old Testament to the New, there is no Trinitarian point of view. The Trinitarian doctrine came about hundreds of years after the Bible was already completed. Hundreds of years after it was done and finished, uh, they got in a room, a bunch of men got in the room one day, and they began to talk and came up with this idea of the Trinity because they thought that would be the best way to explain things to people. You know what I think the best way to explain things to people is? The Bible. The Bible's the best way to explain things to people. And I understand there's a scripture called Matthew 28 and 19. I understand there's a scripture about baptism where Jesus says, Go ye therefore, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. But I sure hope that is not somebody's only scripture that they are using for a Trinitarian understanding of the God. Hallelujah. Because we understand from other scripture that the name of the Father, he said, I come. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. Jesus' name was given hallelujah amen by the angels thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from his sins and Jesus himself the Holy Spirit the comforter shall come in my name there is only one God hallelujah he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily one Lord one faith one baptism one name hallelujah given among men under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved it's Jesus us. He's God Almighty. And if you need him today, he's as close as the mention of his name. Oh, 
Oh, hallelujah. That is not me trying to attack some other religion. It's simply me saying, if you want to go to heaven and you want to prepare yourself, then you need to get out of man-made religion and get back into the holy book. If you want to really know that you know that you know that you're ready to go, quit listening to what man has to say and quit looking and start looking at what the scripture has to say. Oh, hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you that today because if you're going to pray about heaven and try to prepare yourself for heaven, and we need to know who it is we're praying to, I'm not calling on Mary. I'm not praying to some disciple. I'm not calling the name of an apostle. I'm not praying one thing to the Father, one to the Son, and one to the Holy Ghost. Oh, it is He, the fullness of the Godhead. He is all in all. And His name is Jesus. And so when we come forward to pray today, we pray in the name of Jesus. Everything you do in word or deed, you do it in the name of the Lord. Stand with me if you would, please. Second Peter 3.11. Hear me closely now. In just a moment, I'm going to invite anyone and everyone in this place that wants to come forward to pray to come forward. The front of this building is our altar area. We intentionally leave it open so that when we're done preaching, we can come and respond. Your response today is the most important thing that you're going to do. It's the most important thing that you're going to do. You're going to respond. You're going to talk to the Lord about what we've heard and what we felt today. 2 Peter 3, Peter ends his letter with the question, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Everything that, everything that seems so meaningful to us and so powerful in our finite and temporary experience shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? That word conversation there actually means our conduct. It's not just about our conversation. It's about how we live our lives. If we know God is coming back, if we know there's a heaven and a hell, then how should I be living right now? Because Ecclesiastes tells us that the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. That's really not that deep. Wherever the tree falls, that's where it is. You know what? One of the points that we get from that is, is that we're not going to make some drastic change after we die. We're not going to be able to live in sin and darkness and nonsense. We're not going to be able to live contrary to God's word and just somehow think that after death we're going to be able to make some big spiritual leap. Where the tree falleth, that's where it is. Carnality and sinfulness does not just become spirituality and holiness. 
It's what we have. To, it's decisions we have to make. It's how we live. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, Titus 2, and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Why do I need to live in this present world that way? Because if I don't live that way, I don't get to go to heaven. That's why. That's why. Why 2.13? Look at the next verse. Looking for that blessed hope. Live that way looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the great God and our Savior, Jesus. So you live that way because you're looking for that blessed hope. It's not just about having a good life here, although I do believe that anyone who lives a a truly Christian life in this earth now can have a really good life. And I do believe it helps us and keeps us from some of the nonsense of this world, but it is not for this world only. It's also for heaven. Because Colossians 3, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. It says mortify them. That means kill them. Kill them. Kill the things that are inside of you that are going to keep you from going to heaven. Don't take it lightly. Don't just cast it off. Don't be nonchalant about it and complacent about it. He says, if you got something in your life that's going to keep you from going to heaven, you need to deal with it now. you lift your hands, close your eyes, and begin to call upon the name of Jesus in this place today. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, heaven is our greatest hope, and heaven is worth living for, and it's going to become a reality someday in our lives, and we might not even get there by death. We may hear the sound of the trumpet sound of the trumpet but God forbid when the trumpet sounds I find myself still stuck in this sinful earth I want to be caught up with him in the air I want to be on my way to glory I want to be able to walk on them streets of precious stones and I want to see my savior face to face Here's what I would like us to do. I don't want to differentiate anyone in this place today. So anyone and everyone in this place that's willing to come, I would invite you to step out from where you are and make your way forward and come to this altar. There's room for us to come. You don't have to come if you don't want to come. There's no pressure for you to come, but I'm asking you, this is an important step right now. This is the most important part of this entire service. God's been talking to us. God's been talking to us. Will we respond now? Will we come and pray? Come on, let's come and talk to the Lord. Let's come and talk to the Lord. You don't have to know some special prayer. You don't have to repeat some memorized prayer. You don't have to worry about having some. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. 
Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.